Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. All right, everybody, it is time for the Edge Podcast. This is Mike Singer joined by Brendan Slaughter. How's everything going in Corvallis, Brendan? Uh, everything's going good. We're, you know, two Saturdays away from having some college football back. Oregon State's deep into fall camp. It's uh, an exciting time down here. Most definitely. So let's talk fall camp. Uh, let's go ahead and start off. General impressions of uh, what the vibe has been like at practice with Coach Smith, you know, his first fall camp. Uh, you know, what, what have you thought about how things are, you know, being run since the media does get to watch so much at these practices? Well, the the vibe is good, but it's also um, now you're seeing guys that are really having to dig deep. Um, Jonathan Smith and his staff, they're, I think they're pushing these guys a little bit to reach a little bit of uncharted territory in the sense of both work ethic, strength, and conditioning, um, just how uh, ingrained they want these, this the playbook and the plays to be in their players' minds. And I think they're maybe expecting a little bit more from these players compared to maybe the previous staff and they're playing a, or putting a higher uh, higher emphasis on player you know um, experience and knowledge and you know investing kind of in themselves and that's led to a lot of work I remember when you know uh, Beaver's Edge caught up with Sean Wilson earlier this week he was telling me after the interview he's like man you know we're we're uh, we're feeling it now it's kind of getting into the dog days and he said we're really getting put to the test so I like that coach Smith is doing that because you know this group as we saw last season you know, at least uh, being able to be competitive on the field for 60 minutes was something they weren't capable of. I, I, I honestly, Brendan, I love reading your practice reports and watching the video interviews and uh, some of the other stories you write. Your uh, three, two, one, the notebooks, and and uh, the you know basically everything you write. I love reading, but I just think back to last fall camp when some people were saying nine wins for that team last year, which coming in honestly. I, I, I thought that was a little crazy, nine wins, but I was like, this is a six-win team. I think they're going to yep. make a bowl game. I thought they probably would lose in a bowl game. Um, but I thought it was a six and seven team, so it was going to be a good team. In fall camp last year, things were looking good, and then last season happened. How do you kind of like look at last year and say, things look good last year in fall <clears throat> camp, and then after the season you're like, what the heck happened how do you kind of, are, are you kind of like cautious when you write some stuff and watch this team to think they look good now, but what about on Saturdays? Right. And the thing you have to remember, Mike, is that Oregon State really, in my, you know, last year, I, I still thought they had some talent. I thought they lost a, a good amount of talent on defense. You know, you look at a guy like Manasseh Hungalu, who's playing on Sundays. That alone leading that basically the same defense along with a senior leader and um, Brandon Arnold in the back end you had a couple senior guys up front the defense appeared to be better than it perhaps was Um, but again we'll get to this a little bit later the secondary was ravaged by injuries early Uh, playing that game against Colorado State so early in the season you know we've had I've I've had guys since say that they didn't think, you know, the team was necessarily prepared for that environment. And, you know, you put yourself in a you put yourself in a hole to open the season by doing that. I still think moving that game was one of the more 
questionable decisions of the Anderson era. If you don't move that game, you open up with Portland State at home. You know, there's not a lot of pressure there compared to the fact that, you know, you open up a Colorado State last year, brand new stadium. It was insanely hot. You're at elevation. Uh, the crowd was going wild. You make one mistake. It's magnified by 10 because of a brand new stadium. It's packed. And you look, and Oregon State was so close, Mike, for those first few games. And that's where I think the wheels just came off. You know, they were right there against Colorado State. You know, had a chance to win that game, collapsed in the second half. Portland State, they won the game but didn't play super well. Minnesota, right there at halftime, collapsed in the second half. Uh, USC, right there, you know, collapsed in the second half. You know, they, they played USC much tighter than people thought in Anderson's last game. And um, they were close. I just, I think the coaching, I think the schemes, and I think uh, a little bit of everything just put the players in a bad position to succeed. And that's where, you know, I think this year I'm seeing some positives. And I think we're, you know, while it may not be, you know, measured in wins and losses, I think you'll see a better product on the field. But I think Oregon State's got much better coaches. I, yeah. I do. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I like this coaching staff a lot. And I think they're learning a lot from what the old staff did wrong. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of those games from last season, the Minnesota game. I remember, um, I mean, we cover Oregon State, so we have a really good feel on the team. I remember yep. going into that Minnesota game, Oregon State was a one-point favorite. I think yep. that the, the Vegas uh, people were thinking, um, you know, they lost their first two games. Um, they're probably really hungry. This is a, a night game. Um, fresh new jerseys. Uh, those right. the eleven was eleven strong or yep. whatever. Yep. Yeah, those jerseys were sweet. Forty eight, fourteen. That was just that's a tough one to to remember. I I just was like, man, that is a horrible horrible line. Let's yeah. move on though. Let's talk quarterbacks. Um, really hot topic. I mean, uh, people coming into fall camp were just thinking it was Jake Luton or Connor Blount. Jack Coletto, I know, has stepped up, um, a guy that the, the Beavs brought in um, as a junior college transfer who practiced in the spring and don't think had a great spring, but now he's really starting to come along. Let's just focus on those three guys that are really uh, battling for the starting job um, and kind of where you assess the battle right now. There's a lot to like about Jack Coletto. His work ethic from the spring has been impressive. Uh, obviously, a local kid uh, from Camas, Washington, you know, led... Uh, um, them to a state championship in one of his years there. He's by far and away Oregon State's most mobile quarterback. Uh, I think he fits the mold, perhaps, of what they want to do. And he's also um, got a little height to him at six foot three, or you know, six foot two, six. You know, he's a little bit taller than Connor Blount, even if it's just a couple inches. Um, his body physique is a little bit bigger, and I like I like what he brings. You know, he's really has grown leaps and bounds from the spring and. You know, going over to Connor Blount, same thing. Uh, both these guys, in my opinion, were really uh, non-factors in the spring. And, you know, I thought Jake was kind of the guy up until, you know, late in the spring when they pushed and they kind of continued to push this year. I think given where Oregon State stands right now and everything we've seen in practice, Jake Luton's looked the most consistent recently. Uh, he put some great practices together, uh, really good decision-making, leadership. It seems like he seems to have a growing rapport with the first unit but as you mentioned uh coletto could have a redshirt year available and uh that redshirt year could be useful uh especially given the fact that he can play in up to four games mike and still claim that redshirt year 
Yeah. Especially if the wheels kind of fall off the wagon late in the season, he could pl- he could start the last four games of the season and still redshirt. That yeah, is, absolutely. I think this is the first NCAA rule that everyone loves. Coaches love it. Players yep. love it. It's fantastic. I expect, One of the first. One of the first. <laughs> I expect every single true freshman to play for Oregon State. That's yeah. at least on scholarship. Maybe not Duke Art because he is like the number four or five guy. Yeah. But um, I think everyone's going to play. Maybe even Duke Hart will get some some garbage snaps. Um, so good stuff there on the quarterbacks. Um, obviously, we'll just uh, continue to evaluate that going forward. It's definitely going to be interesting. Let's uh, move on to just some general other thoughts about fall camp. Um, some other players you think have made an impact. Maybe some guys that coming into camp you didn't really expect to be fighting for a starting position or have taken a lot of first team reps um, that you've been really impressed with well I got four guys for sure maybe count five if we go uh, on the offense uh, it's got to start with Jermar Jefferson and Josiah Irish uh, both incoming recruits this year um, Jefferson at the running back position Irish at receiver both those guys have made instant impacts uh, Irish had three touchdowns in the scrimmage just uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, and I th- I'm really impressed with his ability to pick up the offense. Uh, coach, uh, receivers coach Kapense Hinson said that uh, he's really come along quickly, and he feels he could put him out there at any point. And then Jefferson, you know, had a couple touchdowns in the scrimmage. He's really taken the lion's share of those um, backup reps behind Artavis Pierce with Calvin Tyler still. Uh, not in the fold with you know an injury and not uh, we don't know what his status is moving forward and it's I, I like what I see from Jamar he's he's physically built and ready to play at the college level and Artavis Pierce he has a lot of similarities to how he was as a freshman when he came in and you know ran for almost 600 yards as a true freshman so I like their both their potential up uh, on the offensive side and then defensively maybe not so much out of uh pure um talent but rather need uh i expect uh, i uh, isaac hodgins and isaac garcia to push for starting spots that defensive line um hodgins has been pretty consistently with the ones or twos now for a couple weeks he's only a true freshman it looks like he has a decent shot to start on against ohio state uh isaac garcia the uh, Oregon State player that has been here, come back, been here, come back, hmm. now finally with the program, finally going to get on the field. And that um, defensive line is so thin. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. No, it is. And, you know, when you see Jeremy Reichner, you know, moving around practice, you know, on a scooter, you know, you can't help but wonder, you know, it's like there's another injury for a guy that in Reichner that I think could be big time too. So, you know, Oregon State's got some growing pains. They need to stay healthy if they're going to compete this season. But I like I like the potential of those four guys. Definitely. Um, you touched on the running back. So, interestingly, Tyler and Jefferson were both late finds, like January um, yep. finds by – so it was um, Anderson's staff in the class of 2017 was Tyler and then Jefferson in the class of 2018 with Coach Smith. I yep. like – Jefferson a lot more. Just thinking when I was covering them as recruits, I like Jefferson a lot more. I thought Tyler Tyler's a good back, but what I heard from Jeff or heard about Jefferson, and I should, I should uh, when we post this podcast, I'm gonna go back and look in my uh, my uh, famous uh, recruiting nuggets that I post. I was saying that right when Jefferson signed, I was hearing that they that the Oregon State staff thought that this kid 
was going to back up AP as a true freshman. And that's what it's looking like. He's been impressive, and I just have to give some really good kudos to – and some big kudos to to Coach Smith and his staff for for finding him. So the past – go ahead. No, I think that's a great point that you throw about Jefferson. Obviously, Oregon State's running backs have been – you know, a little, um, you know, a guy also not to forget at running back is Case Rogers, who's mm. also had a very solid spring. I liked him a lot, too. And, you know, it's interesting, Mike, that some of the most breakout players this fall camp have been Jonathan Smith recruits on what, a quarter of a recruiting cycle? If that. Top? Yeah. So I got to say, their ability to evaluate talent, at least so far, we'll see what it's like on the field, but it appears to be a little bit more, I guess, maybe uh, improved from the coaching staff, and it seems like they can really find some gems out there. Yeah, to be fair, Rodgers was a Gary recruit. He committed to Anderson in August of 2017. I honestly didn't love the commitment. Um, he, was, he wasn't even the starting running back on his own <laughs> high school team because it was Tazan Henry uh, who Oregon State was involved with. Yep, Rodgers played a lot of slot, and... Uh, uh, I think it was even split out wide as receiver, and he would carry the rock sometimes. But um, I, I, I thought it was kind of a interesting take um, as the first running back commitment in the class, but I, I think I've already been proven wrong. I think Rodgers is going to be um, a pretty solid recruit. Let's move to Oregon State secondary. It seems like ever since Beaver's Edge has launched, um, yep. this is what our uh, we're going on our third season uh, of coverage here at Beaver's Edge on Rivals. Every year the secondary has been decimated and with injuries year one, year two, and now going into year three, it's looking – because at least those injuries were happening during the season. These are already happening in fall camp, so we're starting off the season. Oregon State's already injured. Give us a rundown of the corners and safeties that are hurt and kind of when you have the vibe – or what your vibe is on when they're going to return. Well, I mean, you look back and, you, you know, I think decimate, you, you, you summed it up perfectly, Mike. You know, whether it was, you know, um, Gary Anderson's first year when um, a guy that had hardly ever played cornerback, Kendall Hill, was playing massive minutes late in the year or, um, you know, even last season. Omar, when Omar Hicks O'Neu playing corner but, against USC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, was having to play corner. So, I mean, it's just it's, – it's unbelievable – it really is. I mean, I don't know if I'd believe you if you told me how, how injury-prone Oregon State secondary has been the last couple of years. But, you know, I think as, as I wrote about, you know, in my 3 one earlier, or three things we learned earlier this, or earlier this week was, um, I think if Oregon State can stay healthy, I think the previous coaching staff, for all their faults, has actually maybe done something good here. You know, I remember when I was you know, chatting with some people around the Oregon State program, you know, internally, and then even um, some outsiders that, you know, were saying this secondary group that they brought in over the last couple of seasons is a very strong group if they can stay healthy. And you're seeing that now, um, you know, with, you know, the emergence of some really young guys. And if if they were fully healthy, they'd possess a pretty deep unit. But unfortunately, you know, you've had injuries to uh, David Morris, who is still working his way back uh, from a foot injury uh, that he's, or from the foot se- off-season surgery he had, uh, he practiced early. He's been taking the last couple days off. I caught up with him on when, or on Tuesday uh, this week, and he said that you know it was just precautionary. You know, he's just taking his taking it slow. He had no you know no doubt he'd be on the field soon. So, and that aligns with what Coach Smith said about the secondary when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. He said that it was mostly 
fall camp, you know, precautions, bumps and bruises, dings, and he wasn't really worried about anyone back there. And that and into that group, you know, that falls on to uh, Isaiah Dunn, Jay Irvine, um, and then you have David Morris. You have uh, Omar Hicks Onu, who's still working his way back. Uh, from his off-season surgery, you know, S- Smith alluded to not too long ago that he was going to be limited in fall camp. Um, and then you uh, also have uh, Deshaun Wilson, who's been in and out of the lineup. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And uh, almost forgot Dwayne Williams, perhaps Oregon State's most senior and veteran corner. Who's had been off-season hurt every, he's been hurt every season. Yeah, had off-season ACL surgery. Uh, again, maybe Oregon State's best leader in that secondary, other than Jalen Moore. Um, and you know, he's you know, I you know, same thing, just kind of working his way back, taking it slow. So I expect all these guys to be near a hundred percent by the time the season starts. Um, you know, uh, I, I just I don't. There's been nothing to tell us that anything's serious, but I like this group if they're healthy. I think there's a lot of different varying options, and you know, even with the case with a you know a guy like Dwayne Williams, I mean, you you know, you obviously sometimes look beyond the numbers, but and you know, he got hurt against Minnesota last year in the third game of the season, didn't get a chance to play. Year before that, Oregon State was four and zero in the games that Dwayne Williams played, and zero and eight in the games that he didn't. I'm not going to say that he runs the defense, but that's that's a, still a strong correlation. Oregon State needs to keep their veterans on the field if they want to be successful. And then one veteran guy they don't have anymore is Xavier Crawford. Is to Central yep. Michigan now. It's a whole different discussion. Yep. In September, the Beavers play this uh, team called Ohio State. Not sure if anybody's <laughs> heard of them. How, how do you feel about maybe that for, game maybe, right now? Maybe for all the wrong reasons right now. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, they up. <laughs> um, a game I'm sure everyone would want off the schedule, but man, it's it's a real thing that's going to happen. Oregon State's going to Columbus. Yep. What do you? Th- how are you feeling about that game right now? Well, to be honest with you, Mike, uh, Ohio State, it's uh, you know they're as good as they come. You know they possess one of the most talented rosters in the country, and regardless of. Uh, who's coaching Ohio State? That's still very much in question. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge. Obviously, Nick Bosa, the younger brother of Joey Bosa, is perhaps maybe the best, if not one of the best, uh, defensive ends in the country. And you know, Wisconsin or Ohio State just continuing to pump out, you know, great, great defensive ends. But I think more than anything, this game is just going to be a gauge to see where Oregon State's at. You know, there's some. It's interesting to see how this whole Urban Meyer thing is shaking out there's some you know definitely a little bit of off-season drama with this football team and a bit of a cloud you know we don't really know what to expect from Ohio State because they're a really young team they were already breaking in a quarterback that's brand new this season and we don't know anything about them because they're not getting any media access for the whole fall camp Mm -hmm. you know any all media has been blocked from Ohio State I'm just trying to think how I'd feel in that situation I know how you would feel you'd be pretty pissed yeah, I'd be I'd be like locked out, and I we have no idea what to expect from Ohio State. You'd think it'd be business as usual, and that's probably what it's going to be. But you never know. Um, and you know, as far as coaching goes, Jonathan Smith may have a may have a bit of a, a a more competitive advantage, not having you know Urban Meyer and having that offensive coordinator for Ohio State because he's never been a head coach. Jonathan Smith never been a head coach. 
Jonathan Smith's not going to be able to outcoach Urban Meyer. That's just not going to happen. So it's you know Oregon State can take what they can get for sure, but I'm I'm you know it's a gauge to see where Oregon State is. The difference of getting beat like 52 to seven compared to like 35 14 or 42 17 is big, and I think Oregon State can either show some progress or they're going to show us it's a long way to go. I think there's really. I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting Oregon State to win, maybe except for the roster. But I, I, I mean, as long as they just, I think they can have a good moral victory come from that game. And yes. I think everyone would be happy. No one's going to be super upset at the team if they lose. I mean, it's it's Ohio State on the road. Uh, well, if, if they're set at anyone, it's the former athletic director. Well, yeah, and you know, you know, you mentioned former, you know, perfect, perfect Mike in the sense that you know we've we've had sit downs with Scott Barnes, you know, on BeaversEdge.com. You know, he's been a great friend of ours, saying that you know, basically, not to mince words, this wasn't going to happen again. You know, he said it's not in his interest as an athletic director to go schedule these one-off games where, you know, even he wouldn't mince words, the odds of winning are probably very, very low, and. You know, he, he said he'd like to see more games with, you know, um, home and homes. You know, he's a guy that really wants to invest in home and homes. He really wants to invest in, you know, playing, you know, Mountain West schools, playing, uh, um, you know, Big 12 schools. We see that with Oklahoma State. Um, and then, you know, kind of stay more of that West Coast games that Oregon State can actually be competitive in. And that's where, you know, on paper, Oregon State will probably get a nice payday that will help out with their athletic department. Uh, from this game but outside of that uh, there's not much to gain from playing in Columbus to open the year let's move to kind of a completely different subject Uh, still talking college football though Yahoo Sports recently launched college fantasy football Um, and Yahoo is of course um, Rivals is under the umbrella of Yahoo and of course Beaver's Edge is a part of the Rivals network so we launched our uh, our league and had team or had a uh, beaversedge.com members join the league this week. Brent so there's 14 teams in this league. Brendan, you're in the league. Yep, um, I'm excited. I'm sure plenty of Oregon State players will be drafted. I know that I will be drafting someone that uh, let's just say me and the Red Sox will have something in common after the draft. Uh, if, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. And I think if we have uh, enough interest on the message board, um, we're, we're going to start a second league. Uh, that will be run by one Hard Rock Fan 1, my great wow. moderator. Shout, <laughs> yeah, out to, shout out to Steve. Um, so, so, Brendan, which Oregon State player are you eyeing to draft? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, you know, it's uh, AP is gonna call... be. I think I think someone like AP is gonna go in the first round, even though he has no business going in the first round. No, I think I'll grab. Uh, I think I'll grab I- Isaiah Hodgins as a bench player if he's still available. But Oregon State, in terms of fantasy, and you're talking about fantasy production, until Oregon State can kickstart their offense, which they haven't been able to do the last couple years, um, fantasy is all about numbers. All about yards all about points and uh we need to see oregon state have a consistent offense before i can invest in a draft pick come on man it's for fun it's for fun i like isaiah hodgins i think he could be I, I think he can have a really good year if someone on the board doesn't snatch him up before i do 
No, I'm I'm picking I'm picking Jake for my for my bench. Jake Ducart. Jake. I'm picking Jake oh, Ducart. Ducart. Yeah, the Red Sox. The Red Sox drafted him. That's that was my whole whole thing. Because I like Jake Ducart. I like talk to him a lot as a recruit, and <laughs> I honestly that. think that he's going to be really good one day. I think he's got a really good athleticism. Obviously, it's kind of a joke pick because he's not really going to play this year, but picking Jake Ducart with my last no, pick. No, I, I like that. I like that. I like that. No, you'll have to uh, – I'll keep I'll keep you surprised, Mike. Uh, there's so, some talented players in there. If someone else picked him, picks him, I'll be pretty pissed. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't think you'll have much competition in there. But now that you're on the Beaver's Edge podcast, you never know. Yeah, that's true. True. anything you want to mention as we wrap up the podcast, Brendan? No, I think we're good. Oregon State, you know, uh, keep hanging on to beaversedge.com, you know, from everything from Oregon State football, from myself and Mike Singer. We've been cranking out some great content, and about halfway through fall camp, Ohio State's on the horizon, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Edge Podcast.